appreciate the <clears throat> song, and uh, I hope that we can say that. Here my Lord send me. I was, it reminded me of uh, my grandson. He liked to sing a lot, so he, he was singing that song. But instead of saying, here my Lord send me, he'd say, where am I, Lord? Where am I, Lord? <laughs> I think that's maybe the typical answer to a lot of Christians. They're saying, where am I? Uh, it's kind of tough sometimes to follow the Lord and be obedient to him. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to be in the chapel and being here this morning. Brother Rhodes, he jumped off the platform, but I didn't see him jump back on. You know, I was so I, Yeah. But uh, and then you got Brother Beam. He jumps up there like he's Spider-Man or something. And uh, we'll see what happens uh, later on in the day, huh? <laughs> but well, it's good to be here with you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be able to be here. Um, thankful for what God's done and uh, through the lives of many of the missionaries and well missionaries are serving Lord and faithfully thank for this church and what God's done uh, through the church pa- uh, Pastor Hanks and uh, as he said we've known each other for a long time and I'm thankful for him and uh, it, was, it was a real blessing to me because I his uh, his mom was here and I didn't know she she had moved up here so I hadn't seen her for a long time but I was thankful that uh, I got to see her and I've gotten to talk with her and share some things. We spent time together back in the day. I remember when uh, his dad was tr- running for office. He was trying to run for mayor, I think, wasn't he? There. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he ever made it or not, did he? No. <laughs> but uh, we always had a good time at their place. They had a farm, uh, a lot of animals. And uh, no, I wasn't not, not talking about the kids and not talking about <laughs> Pastor Hanks, but they had a lot of, a, a lot of other animals. <laughs> I know our kids always enjoyed going there because there was always something going on at their place, so it was pretty exciting, but I'm glad to be able to be here this morning. Take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, and verses 1 through 9. I'd like to speak about the opportunity for obedience, opportunity for obedience. Sometimes we have opportunity to obey, but we don't. Sometimes God's telling us to do something and we don't do it. Sometimes God's leading us some way or another and we just don't follow what God has for us. But in Genesis chapter 12, uh, we'll see the story of Abraham a little bit here. It says, And the Lord had said unto Abraham, Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and, uh, thou, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be blessed. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's a uh, quite a statement, isn't it? All the families of the earth shall be blessed because of Abraham's obedience. Uh, you know, sometimes when we think about the obedience uh, of uh, just us doing what God wants us to do, there's going to be people who will be blessed. Uh, the countries you're in or the place where you're at or the people you, you talk with or worship or you go with in church, if we are obedient, uh, the Lord's going to bless. And uh, just we need to just think about all the blessings that God has for us. All throughout the world, we were blessed because Abraham took a step of obedience and did something that God told him to do. And sometimes we're reluctant about doing that. But it says here, Then and Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's, Son and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Hiram, and they went forth into a, uh, and to go into a land of Canaan, and in the land of Canaan they came. Abram passed through the land into a place of Shechem and under the plain of Morai, and the Canaanite was then in the land. The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, 
unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of, the, of Bethel and pitched his tent, having uh, Bethel uh, on the west and high on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed, going still uh, towards the south. And we see Abraham here, God told him to, to leave his country, go to another uh, land, and God was going to bless him and take care of him. And sometimes, you know, uh, young people get afraid, even adults, uh, you know, I don't want to move on for God because, you know, I don't know if God's going to supply my needs. I don't know if God's going to take care of me. I don't know if God's going to help me. Uh, you know, I'll tell you something, God doesn't leave you because you went to another country. Uh, we went to Japan, God didn't leave us. You know, he went with us. And I'm thankful for that fact that God is there with us all the time and we need to realize that we have an opportunity for obedience in our lives as Christians to do something for God and if we're willing to do it or not. Uh, maybe you're not willing to do it. Maybe you're willing to say, you know, I'm satisfied with my life. I'm satisfied with what I have and this is the way I'm going to live. But we need to be obedient to the things of God. Let's bow for a word of prayer before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. <clears throat> I pray that you just uh, speak to our hearts challenge us, help us to be all that you should, we should be for you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to give you, honor, give you the honor and glory, no matter what, what happens in our life, that we might praise you and lift up your name. And as uh, Abraham there uh, built an altar and worshiped God, we need to build an altar in our hearts to worship our, the true Lord God. And Lord, I pray that you just help us to be all that we should be for you. Thank you for all you've done. I pray that you speak through me. Help me to say what you have me to say. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you bring the remembrance of things that I should say. And Lord, I pray that you just guide and direct in all things. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. Amen. Amen. Abraham obeyed God in chapter 12 and verse 1. And it says that God told him to go on. And it seemed that Abraham was a little bit disobedient because the Bible says here, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. We, he took Lot with him. He took his father with him. Uh, there was people that went with him, and so uh, later on, actually in, in the New Testament, Stephen talked about that in Acts chapter 7, and when he said that he has spent five years then in the land of Charon, or Heron, and uh, so he was kind of a little bit disobedient in some ways, maybe he wanted to take some uh, a little bit of rem remembrance of home with him. I remember when we went uh, to Japan the first time, we went to the airport, it was cold, it was nasty, it was January, uh, the fifth, I think it was, and uh, it was about 50 below windshield. You know, you've been in those kind of, maybe you haven't. Uh, just go to Minnesota, that'll help you out, and you'll realize how cold it is. But and it was 50 below windshield, and we went to the airport, got to the airport, and, uh, you know, God had called us to Japan. My, our families were there. They were excited about us leaving, and we got up to the counter, and uh, we presented our tickets, and the, the lady says, uh, I'm sorry, sir, but the airline you're on went bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, really? Uh, here we got 13 suitcases, 12 carry-ons. I mean, I don't know what we had. We had a semi-tractor trailer full of stuff, it seemed like. And uh, we had three kids. One was uh, six years old, one was two and a half, one was five weeks old. And we're at the airport, and they said, hey, uh, you, you, you just, we went, the airline went bankrupt, and so you're going to have to buy another ticket to get from Minneapolis to California, Los Angeles, and then when you get to Los Angeles, John, stand by. Now, we're, we're feeling, you know, this is God called us here, right? I mean, God told us to go to Japan, and, and now we don't even have a ticket. <laughs> and we, we didn't have a lot of money back in those days, you know. It was, uh, 
We saved up some money to use when we got to the country to kind of get acclimated and help us to do things that we needed to get in the country. But uh, the lady says, you're going to have to buy new tickets. So we scraped up all the money we had. Our parents scraped up all the money they had. We bought new tickets just to get to California. And so we flew to California not knowing what was going to happen. I mean, this is God sending us on our way, right? I mean, what are we going to do? We're, we, we get it to California, and they said, you're on a standby list. This airline now has uh, allowed some other airlines to, to partner with you and, and get on an airline, another flight, but you have to be on standby to get on this flight. So we were, you know, we were waiting. Okay, we left Minnesota 50 below. We got jackets, scarves, hats. I mean, you got gloves, you got everything. You know, you just load it down. You get into California. Uh, Los Angeles get a little warmer, right, than it was in uh, Minnesota. You're shedding a few things. And then uh, we're in line waiting, and we're in the end of the line. Of course, we're in the end of the line because we got three kids, and uh, we, you know, it's hard to just uh, move from place to place with all them kids. So we're in the back of the line, and uh, we're waiting, and the plane's soon to take off. And one of the uh, uh, people come from the airline, they said, hey, uh, we're looking for the gardeners. We're, we're here. Oh, okay, you're on. You know, get, get your stuff and get down the corridor there to the gate, and you're on the plane. So we ran down the corridor, you know, carrying now our coats and our, all our bags and that we didn't check in, of course, all the other bags and everything. We're, we're going down the corridor, and <clears throat> we're running to the next plane to get on the plane in California. From California, flew, flew to Hawaii. Uh, you know, we're getting hotter and hotter as we go along, right? I mean, <laughs> Yeah, so now we're sweating. Uh, you're sweating. The sweat's dripping off you. Uh, we're, we're in the back of the line again. We're standing in line, and uh, we're thinking, well, we're not going to make it. Uh, we're praying, of course, that God allow us to get onto the plane, and uh, he, he called us to Japan, so he's going to have to supply the needs, right? I mean, there's no other way that we can get to, to Japan. So we're in the back of the line again, and uh, probably in pretty close to the time where the plane's supposed to be taking off again, another agent comes up and says, hey, gardeners, you're on the plane. And so, okay, but you got to hurry. They're, they're closing the doors, you know. So we're running down the corridor, you know, to the gate and uh, carrying all this stuff. And, of course, carrying a five-week-old and carrying your bags and your coats and everything else. And, we're, like I said, we're sweating like crazy. And Danny, he's two and a half years old. And he's, uh, he stops. He just stops right in the middle of the corridor. You know, he's like, I can't go anymore. <laughs> I'm like, you got to go some more. <laughs> We're going to miss the plane. So we got him, coaxed him along and pushed him along and got him up there. Finally got into the plane. And uh, we, as we were on standby, we got the last seats. And uh, of course, in those days, uh, we, had, we had a five-week-old and it carried in one of these little plastic uh, carriers, you know, <laughs> the baby sitting in there. Uh, we slipped him underneath the seat, actually. <laughs> That's where he... he he stayed on the plane underneath the seat. <laughs> and the rest of us, and the kids didn't really have a full seat either, I don't think, but we, didn't, we got on there, then flew to Japan, and God got us there. Uh, because, you know, we were willing to say, Lord, this is where you want us to go. Uh, we could have stopped and said, in Minneapolis, said, wait a minute, we don't have a ticket, let's just forget it. <clears throat> Maybe God's not really calling us to Japan, but we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was calling us to go to Japan. And so we see Abraham here. He obeyed God in chapter 12, and he went on his way. And Abraham, uh, you know, was, uh, of course, just like us, a little bit maybe hesitant, maybe a little bit uh, leery. Uh, there was no family. 
I mean, not only during that trip, uh, uh, we didn't know if we'd ever see our family again. I mean, we were heading out to a place that we didn't know. We didn't know where we were going. Uh, actually, I know we were going to Japan, but uh, we didn't actually know what was going on. And uh, we, if we'd never see our parents again, we didn't know that for sure. But, you know, we wanted to uh, step out and, and obey God. And, you know, sometimes God wants us to do things that we don't understand. He might ask you to do something you don't understand. Uh, and then another case is you might understand it, but you don't want to do it. <laughs> There's a lot of people like that. Oh, I understand, God, that you want me to be to preach the, the gospel throughout the world. I understand that you want me to be faithful. I understand that you want me to be obedient. I understand that you want me to, to be faithful in church and, and give my tithe and my offerings and do the things. I understand all that, but I'm not willing to do it. Uh, if you're not willing to do it, God's not going to bless you. God's not going to take care of you. Had Abraham said, okay, forget it. I'm not going to the promised land. I'm not going to, the, to where you told me to go. Uh, he wouldn't have had the blessings that he had from God. The whole world was blessed because Abraham stepped out and took an obedient step. And as a Christian, we need to say, Lord, help me to be obedient to what God has for us. And, you know, and, and we need to do things for God. Uh, the statement said, uh, uh, many Christians are not doing any, anything for God, but there's not any Christian that has nothing to do. There's many Christians that are not doing anything for God, but there's not any Christian that has nothing to do. There's a lot to do, right? We just need to do it. And we just need to say, I'm, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to go. I'm going to do what the things that God wants me to do. And so, you know, he realized that, Abraham realized, this is what God wants for my life. This is what I'm supposed to do. Even though I don't understand where I'm going. I don't understand the people that I'm going to be around. I don't understand the things that are going to happen in my life. And, you know, as young people, as adults, we need to say, Lord, I might not understand all things in my life. I might not understand what's going on around me sometimes. And I don't understand where God, why God's leading me here. Why, the, why I have this problem? Why I have this difficulty? Or why this financial crisis? Or why these things are in my life? But I know that you are the one that's going to take care of me. I know that you've guided me and you told me to go here. And so I need to go. I need to be obedient to what God has for us. And, you know, if Abraham, uh, he didn't ask why. He didn't ask where. He didn't say, okay, Lord, wait a minute. I, I, I'm picking out a place. You know, I want to go to a place like Hawaii. You know, I want to live there. Uh, I want to go to a place that has a lot of this and a lot of that and, and a lot of sunshine and not a lot of rain. and not a, you know. No, he didn't pick that out. He didn't say why, Lord, or where, Lord, or how come, Lord? Uh, that's what questions we ask, right? Uh, how come? No, I don't know why. But I, I don't know how come things turn out that way. But God wants us to go there. He, want, he's, he wants us to be obedient to the things. And there's opportunity of service or obedience to God. And get, Abraham was willing to do that. He's willing to step out. A life of faith. That's what it takes sometimes, doesn't it? Life of faith to just to be obedient to God and to do what God wants, wants us to do. And so as an obedient Christian, there's some things that we need to do. We need to separate ourselves. Uh, is a life of separation. Obedience is a life of separation. Uh, Abraham had to separate himself from his family. He had to go someplace else, uh, someplace he didn't know about. And sometimes that's what it takes. As I said, we you know, went to Japan. My dad was sick with cancer when we left. They said he was going to die. We got on the plane, flew away, never knowing if I'd ever see him again in my life. But that's what God wanted. We had to separate ourselves sometimes. You have to separate yourself to do things that you might not like that you might not understand, that you might not be willing to maybe give up. But God said here to, to Abraham, he said, get thee out of thy country. He said, go someplace else and uh, do something else. 
because this is what I have for you. Uh, you have to take personal responsibility and obedience to God. Personal responsibility. Sometimes we don't take that, do we? Sometimes we want to blame somebody else. We want to look at somebody else and say, well, it's their fault. You know, it's my wife's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's somebody else's fault that I'm not obedient to God. And as a Christian, we need to take our own uh, initiative to get out there and to do something for God. He had to separate himself uh, from the things that hindered him. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's maybe your, your parents. Sometimes it's your friends. Uh, your friends are leading you in the wrong direction. When I was a, a sophomore in high school, my dad bought a farm and uh, moved uh, 40 miles north of Minneapolis. <clears throat> he grew up in, on a farm in Dakota, North Dakota, so he, wanted to, he thought we should grow up on a farm. It was probably a good thing that we did. I mean, I, was, I probably would put it heading in the wrong direction uh, living in Minneapolis, you know? It wasn't a good place. And uh, even back then, back, you know, I grew up with Noah in, in the ark back there, but it wasn't a good place then either. But, uh, you know, it was a, a place where you got in trouble and there was a lot of crime. There was a lot of things going on in, in different places. But, you know, God led my dad to buy a farm. We moved out to the farm. My mom was kick, kicking and screaming the whole way. She didn't want to move. She lived in Minneapolis her whole life, so she didn't want to go anyplace. But... Uh, after a while, she got uh, she loved the farm and the area. But my dad put us to work and made us farm. Uh, he bought all the oldest equipment that you could ever find, and I mean it was old horse-drawn stuff that he converted it into a tractor pole. Our tractor was so old that uh, it used to have steel wheels, and he put he changed it into rubber wheels. I mean, put in new rims and and rubber wheels. It was the kind of had a big flower wheel. Uh, and you had a cockpit on the sides of the engine. You flip the, co- the you flip the flywheel to start it up, and it start up. Then you run around and close the the cockpit. It's old John Deere, 1930 something model, and uh, <clears throat> that's what we used. I, I mean, some of the stuff was so old. I was wondering where my dad got it from. It was antique back then, <laughs> and that was 50 years, more than 50 years ago. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, God has a plan for you, right? We didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. But, you know, God wanted us to, to separate sometimes from family and friends and pay, places and people to do what uh, God wants us to do. And we need to uh, not be hindered by, by things around us sometimes. We are hindered by those things. But just seeking God, you know, Isaiah 55, he said, Seek ye the Lord, forsake your ways, forsake, uh, forsake your thoughts. God will pardon. And the, and the way to, of course, Christ is through, the uh, way to God is through Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. We're all sinners. We all have separated ourselves uh, away from God. Now we need to come back to God. We need to believe in, in God as our Savior. What did Jesus say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Says the same thing in Japanese as English. A little longer. Uh, but it says the same thing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's, what, that's the gospel message we're trying to get out. That's our life, right? I mean, as a Christian, that should be your life. Uh, that's what you should think about. That's what you should desire is to, to do what God wants you to do. Separate maybe from f- uh, f- friends or family or people that are hindering you to, to do what's right and uh, just go forward for God. Sometimes we need to just keep on going forward and keep on going forward and keep on serving and keep on doing what God wants us to do. You know, God's going to give us the strength to separate. The second thing here we see is a, a life of obedience is one of faith. We need to trust God by faith. 
uh, I was telling the, the teenagers today and that uh, when we first went to Japan, the yen was 293 yen to the dollar. Uh, it just kept going down, dropping from then. Actually, before I got there, probably about three or four years before that, it was 360 yen to the dollar. It went from 360 down to what I had for 290, 293, and then from 293, it went at one time down to 76 yen to the dollar. So we were, I mean, if I came with 293, I'm getting 76. I'm almost, uh, I'm only getting like 25% of what I had when I first came, buying power. And so everything is multiplied in price, and, you know, people, missionaries were going home like crazy. I mean, they were just, guys were in, in, in language school trying to learn language. They were just leaving, and they, they kept going because uh, they didn't have enough money to live. And I, I told them, I said, uh, you know, God provided for us, and God will take care of you. You just need to stay. And I, I didn't know how we were going to get money to stay, but, you know, through that all, uh, other churches took us on that we didn't even know. Uh, there was churches that increased our support because uh, we needed the, the extra support. And so God kept us on the mission field all those years, and I'm thankful that he did because sometimes we have to step out by faith, don't we? Sometimes we have to do something by faith. It talks about Abraham and Hebrews, and he, he, was, uh, he stepped out by faith. He's a man of faith and not knowing what was going to happen, but willing to do what God wants us, wanted him to do. And tell, Abraham did all this by faith as we trust God, as we go forward, as we do things for God. And uh, God's going to help us. Uh, many times there in Japan, you know, uh, there was not enough uh, sometimes money to, <clears throat> to do different things, but God always provided uh, for us and he always took care of us. And I remember our building, the building, present building that we have right now, we're, uh, we're getting ready to build it. We hadn't built it. This was in 2008. Uh, we're getting ready to build. We, start, we built the building in 2009. Uh, as we're getting ready to build, we had about $70,000 in the banks, equivalent to, in Japanese yen, that's, uh, that's close to 7 million yen, okay? So I had uh, that much, man. I told everybody I had a, a million yen project going on, you know. It doesn't take much to make a million yen in Japanese, but <laughs> not million dollar, but million yen project. So we had this money in the bank, and uh, you know we're getting ready to build. In fact, we're going to go meet the architect. And all of a sudden, we had these problems in our church, and I'm thinking, what, what's going on? <clears throat> uh, actually, we're, the the treasurer wasn't paying the rent. He wasn't paying the utilities. We were like two months behind in our rent. Our utilities weren't being paid. And I went to the to him. I said, what's going on? He said, oh. I paid it. I don't really know what happened. Maybe they did something with it. And then, uh, you know, I asked him again. The, they came back next week, same thing. He said, said the same thing. He said, well, I think somebody, uh, you know, hacked our account and, and took our money or they didn't, they took it so the rent didn't get paid. So I said, why don't you bring in all the, the paperwork for all our finances, you know, the book and all of the papers and, and everything. Bring that in. I want to see it all. Because I, I didn't carry any of that stuff and he had it all. And so, he said, okay, I'm, I'm bringing it down this certain Sunday. And I said, okay, uh, oh, Sunday, we'll look it all over. Saturday night of that, of that day, he had a fire inside of his car that he had all of his, all this, supposedly, all the paperwork in, all our finance paperwork, the bank book, all that stuff was in, and all caught on fire and burnt up. He ended up in the hospital because he, he was trying to, supposedly trying to put the fire out from smoke inhalation and <clears throat> basically... Uh, he went into the hospital. So the next sun, Sunday, we didn't have the, our rent paid. <laughs> we didn't have any money, much to do anything. He had all the, the everything that was going on. So I, 
I went uh, to the bank. He was in the hospital, so I went to the bank checked, uh, to check out on our account to see what was going on. And the lady says, well, I know that your name's on the account, but you don't have any of the paperwork. I didn't have the, you know, the cash card. I didn't have the bank book. I didn't have anything. She says, but I can give you the last three months of your statement, and then if you put in a request, she said, I'll, and, and st- sign your name. We, we use a stamp in Japanese. It's called Hanko. That's like your signature. It's registered in the city office. So I got to stamp that thing on to make sure that's the real stamp, you know, and then they, uh, they can give me stuff. So she said, I'll give you the last three months. I said, okay, that's fine. So we're, we're thinking, you know, we're getting ready to meet the architect this, that same week. Uh, we got $70,000 in the bank. We're going to get started on our building. Uh, she gives me a paper. She get, hands it to me. I look at it, and I'm like, I can't believe it. We had $7 in the bank. 700 yen. $7. I'm like, what happened? Well, he, was, he embezzled all our money. <clears throat> he embezzled all our money. And uh, so I said, what are we going to do? We're meeting the architect. I have no money. We owe $3,000 in past rent bills that we haven't paid. And uh, we got utility bills. We got other things that we got to pay. And uh, Dan, my son, was there at the time. And he said, Dad, <clears throat> uh, what do you think? I said, well, I think that we don't have any money. How can we build? He said, well, don't you really feel God wants us to build? I said, yeah, I do. I really do. He said, okay. Then if we really feel that way, then we should still go forward with it. I said, okay. He had stronger faith than I did, I'll tell you, at that point. And he said, yeah, let's go forward with it. I said, okay. So we met with the architect, not, not telling him we had no money. <laughs> but God brought, started bringing in money. Uh, you know, to pay the rent and pay the utilities and, and pay all this stuff. And, the, of course, we talked to the, the guy, the finance guy at our church, and he admitted, you know, and taking the money. We, I didn't really know how much because all the records were burnt up, right? So I, I just had to kind of estimate how much weekly we were getting in uh, in our salary, or, I mean, that came into the church and our offerings. And so I estimated, and I think I estimated low at about $70,000 that he probably embezzled out of our bank, but, but uh, out of our account. So my son Dan says, let's, let's go for it. I said, okay. About a week later, I get a phone call from a guy in America, a friend of mine, and he says, Dan, he said, did you get that offering I sent you? And I said, no. I'm thinking, wow, this guy probably got it and, and took it because I didn't see it. He said, well, uh, let me check with BIMI and find out what happened. So he, he checked with BIMI. He said, I'll call you back. He called me back. A couple of days later, and he said, I checked with BIMI, and they, they routed the money to the wrong person. I, he said, but they'll get it straightened out. I, I felt bad for the missionary uh, because he, he said, oh, yeah, by the way, you know how much it was? I said, no. He said it was $50,000. I was like shocked. $50,000. Rick Martin actually is the one that got the money, and they had to take it back out of his account. <laughs> Yeah, Rick's always getting money anyway, so they just figured it was his. But, you know, it was mine, so they sent it to me. And, uh, you know, we started then on our building program. And a month later, this guy calls me back. He said, Dan, he said, I just sent you another $50,000. And this guy doesn't have money. He he was a cabin maker, didn't do a whole, you know, that's all he did for his living at his own shop. But, uh, you know, he wasn't a millionaire or anything, but he sent me $100,000. Uh, because I believe probably because my, my son's faith was stronger than mine. But sometimes we need faith to go on, right? 
And God can take that in our lives and help us to be the kind of, uh, of Christian that we should be as we step forth by faith and do things for God. You know, faith in, in what God can do and it's going to bring fellowship with others. It's going to bring blessings from God. It's going to help us to know what to do and to get the the gospel out as the Lord Jesus Christ has has provided for us we need to just uh, keep on going for God we built that building in 2009 a lot of it we did ourselves but we had to have a Japanese company do the steel and the cement work uh, for that building but other than that we did all the inside all the outside walls all the siding all the roofing we did everything all the windows doors we did it all everything on that building that building uh, cost us uh, about a million and a half dollars. You know what, today? That building's totally paid for. Amen. Totally paid for. God paid for that building and took care of all the needs of our church and supplied everything because, what, we stepped out on faith. And you need to step out on faith. Faith promise, uh, whatever you're doing this, uh, for this conference this time, you need to step out that God is going to take care of that and he can show himself strong. And yet yeah, we just need to believe that God can do those things in our life. The gospel brings the promise of salvation. It brings the promise of a, a full salvation, of a free salvation, uh, of a generous salvation, eternal salvation. And, you know, we don't, uh, sometimes we don't realize the blessings of God. You know, you go into the gas station and you fill up your tank and it says, don't, don't top it off. But you know something? With God, it's always topped off. Yeah, it's overflowing. And uh, you know, the blessings that we have, that God can take care of and supply the needs that we have. What a, what a great blessing that is to just be able to realize that God can take care of us and God supplies our needs. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is with us and the joy that we have and the happiness and the hope and the peace that we can have uh, serving God. And through salvation, you know, we need to be separated from the world through uh, just belief in God. We need to have the faith to, to be obedient uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God promised Abraham a land. He said in verse 1 there, a land that I will show thee. And we might not know where we're heading. We might not know where we're going. There's missionaries here that are, I know where they're going, and, uh, but they don't know what's going to happen when they get there sometimes. And there might be a lot of different struggles and there might be a lot of different pains. And I was telling, talking the other day, uh, yesterday I guess it was, about missions. And uh, they say uh, one out of, two missionaries ever goes back for a second term. One out of two. That, that's not a very good percentage. Is it? 50% of the people that start out, go to the mission field, don't make it, and they don't go back. Uh, that's a bad statistic. Japan actually is a is higher casualty rate than that. Japan is one of the highest casualty rate of missionaries of any place in the world. Within the last four years, we've lost several missionaries. Uh, one dude, because he, he was a uh, missionary, had been in Japan one year longer than me. He was one year older than me. And uh, he passed away with a heart attack. He was still working in Japan. He was still uh, serving God. Uh, he's a great missionary. He came to Japan uh, just had, with a great vision to, to start an orphanage. You know, just like Beam and Charity want to do it. A great orphanage, an orphanage to do something. And uh, the Japanese wouldn't let him start an orphanage. So he just started adopting kids, like Pastor Hanks, you know. Uh, and he had, but he adopted 20 Japanese kids. He had 20 Japanese kids and two of his own. <laughs> uh, they've started several churches in Japan. His boys have started churches. He's built churches, uh, you know, buildings. And then uh, the Lord just uh, blessed him. But now he, the Lord took him home. So we're, we're missing a, a great missionary, really, that was really serving the Lord and uh, doing what God wanted to do. One of our younger families 
couldn't make it. And uh, their kids, you know, were struggling with education. The wife was struggling with the language, and, and they left uh, uh, the field not too long ago. And we've had other missionaries that have passed away. We had other mis- another missionary family that retired. He was younger than me. I don't know why he retired, but yeah. But he retired. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we don't understand why things happen. But, you know, we need to just say, Lord, okay, there, the promise is a promised land, a promise from you that he's going to take care of us, a promise that you're going to supply our needs, you're going to help us from day one to day two, all the way through, and he's going to keep us there. And God can do that. God can help us, right? But we need to take the, just the desire ourselves to be obedient to God. Obedience. Uh, is the very best thing, right? Obedience in, in the Lord Jesus Christ to serve him and, and do what uh, he's promised. Don't hesitate to obey God and don't hesitate to, to do what God wants you to do because there's a great need out there in the world. All over the world, there's a need. Uh, you can go any place. People say, well, you know, I feel called to this field. I feel called to that field. Any place you go, there's a need. So you can go anywhere. Uh, and just be willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to be obedient to go and to do what you want me to do. I'm willing to just serve you and, and do something for God. You know, the Bible tells us that God promised Abraham this and he obeyed in all things. And I hope that we've obeyed because God has given the blessings of obedience. If we obey God from a heart, you're going uh, gonna to just uh, be well in your soul and happy in your soul and do what God want, wants you to do. We started to study the language uh, in Japan, and things were getting, uh, you know, tough. I was, I had a hard time. I, so I, I didn't speak English very well. I speak better than Brother Rhodes, but that's, you know, but <laughs> where he's from, that's good English, I guess, but, right? <laughs> no, I like to hear his accent. It's kind of refreshing to me. <laughs> but I, so I started in Japanese studying, and, you know, I just wasn't getting it. It was just like going over my head. It was, it was just so tough. I just couldn't. I said, you know, many times I'm like, why did you call me here, God? This is not a place for me. Why didn't you send me to some place where I could understand what's going on? And I remember many times, and one of the ladies in our class, one of the teachers, uh, at the end of class, all, they always spoke in Japanese, didn't speak any English. So she said, she'd always say, gambate. Everybody said, gambate, gambate, gambate. I said, what does that mean? That means hang in there. Basically, a literal translation of what it means. Hang in there. Gambate, gambate, hang in there. So I said, well, that's a pretty good word. I got to learn that word. And so I learned that word. Well, she wanted to know what it meant in English. So the class that was actually ahead of me was, uh, she was the teacher for that class. And they told her, it means hang in there. So she took that, they wrote it down. She took it home. And the next day in class, she's going to tell everybody uh, in English, you're going to say hang in there. Instead of saying gambate, she's going to say hang in there. So next day she came to class. And like us, she got nervous yeah, because she was speaking English now and not Japanese. Uh, when we spoke Japanese, we got nervous <laughs> instead of English. So she was getting nervous. She was looking at everybody, and she looked at them all over, and she said, instead of hang in there, she said, hang it up. <laughs> uh, we were all ready to hang it up. That, that was no problem. Uh, we get up out of class and leave. <laughs> but... Uh, don't hang it up. Hang in there. Amen. Just keep on going. Uh, tough things might be tough. It might get rough. It might not. You might, things might not turn out the way you want. But Abraham was willing to obey, wasn't he? And as a young person down here, we need to realize that God has called us to obey Him. 
obey your parents, obey your pastor, obey the church, obey uh, the word of God, and uh, just obey what God has for us. As a, as a Christian, we obey and are obedient and serving God and doing what God wants us to do. Uh, God didn't say we can't have any material things in our life. Abraham left there in chapter 12, and he, he took all the things that he had uh, with him, except maybe his family and things, but he had cattle and he had goods and he had different things, but, and we're not going to become rich because we're missionaries. I only knew one missionary that was rich and he got some, another Japanese uh, missionary gave him some land that uh, this other missionary had bought, purchased way back and basically the guy became a million overnight. They sold the property for like $4 million, so he became a millionaire. And uh, he said, I'd give you some money if you weren't with BIMI. That's what he told me. <laughs> he said, if you were an independent missionary, I'd give you some money. I said, well, you can give it to me anyway. You know, that doesn't matter. Yeah, but he, he was kind of that way. But he, he uh, had, that's the only guy I knew that was a, a missionary that was a millionaire <laughs> at, that, at that time. But, of course, he bought a plane and a yacht and, a, you know, a house. And, I mean, he bought all kinds of stuff with it. But <clears throat> we need to say, Lord... Even though I might not have everything everybody else has. <clears throat> and it might not be as nice as some people have. But yet God can supply our needs and take care of the needs that we have. And he can show us what we're supposed to be doing when we're supposed to be doing it. The third thing is that I want to talk about is life. Uh, obedient life is one of serving. One of serving. You know, you need to serve, right? Everybody needs to serve. And you need to grow up serving. And uh, one thing I appreciated about our, both our parents, they, were ser- they served. Uh, they served in the church. They were faithful in the church. They, they did a lot of things. Uh, uh, you know, when church was going on, they're always busy. They're always doing something at church. They're serving. And as a Christian, I, and I see it around here. I see a lot, all the people that are serving and people that are, you know, w- willing to just do things around here. It's, it's exciting because we need to be serving, right? We need to give our life. And that's what here, uh, Abraham was a servant. He was the kind of person that got out and was serving for the Lord. And, you know, sometimes, and, and God called him a friend of God. The friend, he was a friend of God. What a great uh, testimony that would be, isn't it? There'll be a friend of God. And Abraham was God's servant, building and doing things. And the uh, first thing he did there in, in chapter 12, after uh, he came on, in verse 7, it says there, Genesis, the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto thy seed, I'll give this land. And there uh, builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. He was a servant of God. <clears throat> he built the altar. He was the first thing he worshiped God. And uh, we need to serve God and, and build things for God. One of the <clears throat> ladies that was saved in our church, uh, Azuma, sound is her name, and uh, she came because her daughter be- became a Christian and her son-in-law became a Christian, and uh, they they got her to our church, and we started. She started coming and finally got saved, and then she got baptized, and uh, she said, "Well, I'm the oldest in my family, and I have the the God box. It's called the Butsudan in, in Japanese." The God box, where all the, the gods are, basically they have a list of their gods and a list of all the relatives. They pray for all the ancestors, and they, they offer uh, incense, and they, they have uh, food and drink there every day. They have to change it all out. <clears throat> she said, I'm in charge of that. She said, Pastor, what should I do with it? I said, well, you need to get rid of it. She said, well, how can I get rid of it? I, she, I said, you just bring it to church, and we'll burn it. And she's like, Okay. Well, it took her a long time, but one Sunday morning we were in church and uh, she came to church that day and she said, Pastor, I brought everything. I said, what did you bring? She said, I brought all my Butsudan stuff, all my God's shelf stuff, everything I use. I said, well, that's great. She said, then what are you going to do? I said, well, we're going to burn it. Well, in Okinawa, they have concrete buildings 
and uh, the, there are a lot of the roofs are flat. So, and they have a stairway that goes up to the roof. So we had a stairway up on the church building that we had at that time we were renting. We went up on top of the church after church service on top of the building. I put all the stuff in the middle of the, of the cement slab there and poured a little kerosene on it and we lit it on fire. I probably shouldn't have done that, right? I mean, <laughs> this is right in the middle of the city <laughs> on top of a roof. We got a fire going. Uh, it's a good thing the fire department didn't come, I guess, but... Uh, you know, we sang songs and uh, people prayed and, uh, you know, it was an exciting time to realize that this was a time when somebody was willing to just give it up for God, give it all up, now, everything she had. Uh, she was willing to surrender her life and surrender the way she uh, had lived before in the past and, you know, became uh, obedient to God. And God used that time and that opportunity to be able to strengthen the church. And I'm thankful for her testimony and what she did. You know, God can make us a servant. God can help us to be the kind of servant we should be. And God can help us to be obedient to the things that he has for us. If we just take the word of God and we're obedient to the things that God has before us and we keep on going on for the Lord. I'm going to close with this illustration. Maybe you heard it before, but uh, William Borden, he was, a, he was heir to the Borden a family, a millionaire uh, many times over. And as he was a young person, 16 years old, he graduated from Chicago High School in 1904. That was a few years back, but 1904. He was heir to the Borden family fortune. At high school graduation, his parents gave him a, a, a gift. You know what it was? A trip around the world. Can you imagine that? A trip around the world. That's, at 16 years old, they sent him on a trip around the world. And so he went around the world and... Uh, he wrote about his desire while he was traveling around in Asia, Middle East, Europe, and he, he went through China, and when he went through China, he got a burden to be a missionary. He got a burden to reach, actually, Muslim people, so he needed to learn uh, how to speak that, that language, Arabic, and so he had a burden for that, but while he was on his trip, he wrote back to his friend, and he said, I'm going to be a missionary. His friend wrote back in disbelief, and he said, you're throwing yourself away as a missionary. That's what he said to him. You're throwing yourself away as a missionary. Ah, that's the greatest calling in the world. What do you mean throwing yourself away? He said, um, you're throwing yourself away as a missionary. Borden wrote back in response to him two words, no reserves, no reserves. He was going to continue on no matter what anybody thought, no matter how, how they uh, thought about him or anything else. And so he went back home, went to Yale University. At that time, was Christian University, so-called, and uh, in 1905, he started a prayer uh, group and a prayer time with students at the college. Uh, by the time he was a senior, out of the 1,300 students that were going to that school, 1,000 of them got on their knees every morning and prayed for missions and for God to bless. 1,000 out of 1,300 of them did that. He said, no to self. That's what he did As a, in his journey. He wrote no to self and yes to Jesus every time. No to self and yes to Jesus every time. That's what we need to say, right? Uh, sometimes our self gets in the way. Sometimes our self is, a, is a, a big bother to us and a hindrance to us, but we need to say no to self, yes to Jesus. Although he was a multi-millionaire, he was, about, he was uh, first about his father's business. That's what he said. Upon graduation, he, uh, he was offered some 
of Yale. He was offered some high-paying jobs. He had, of course, already millions of dollars. He wrote in his Bible, at the time of graduation, no retreats, no regrets, no retreats. That's what he had in his Bible. When he finished his, his studies at Yale and Princeton, he sailed to China because he was uh, hoping to, to uh, work with uh, Muslims in, in China. He had to stop by Egypt first to study Arabic. While there, in, he contracted spinal meningitis, and within a month, 25-year-old William Borden was dead. He was dead. But he was wanting to serve God. He was, he was on his way. They said, Mrs. Taylor wrote about him in this, she said in his biography, Borden not only gave away his wealth, but himself in a way so joyous and natural that it seemed a privilege rather than a sacrifice. That's what it is, serving God. It's a privilege, it's not a sacrifice. And I try to always tell my kids, it's not a sacrifice to be on the mission field. There might be things that you're missing someplace else, or you might not have family but here like you have in America, but it's not... A sacrifice is a privilege. It's a privilege that we get to serve God in this way. But he died, and prior to his death, Borden had written in his Bible two more words, no regrets. No reserve, no retreats, no regrets. That was his life. I hope that we can have that kind of life. That's the way we should live our life. That Lord Jesus Christ should be supreme, and our, our priorities are on God. Our priorities should be with him. As we serve God, as we look to him, I hope and pray that we can be obedient to the things of God. I hope that we have an opportunity for obedience. Let's take it. Let's take it right now. We might not know how much time we have left, but we need to serve God the best we can. Let's bow forward a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here this morning. And Lord, I pray that you just challenge us to be all that we should be for you. Help us to take the opportunity to serve. Help us to take the opportunity to sometimes have to separate ourselves for other people. Help us to take the opportunity to, to be obedient and uh, be a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done. I pray that you just challenge us in all these ways that we might be what you want us to be. Thank you for loving us, dying for us, giving us eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. Amen.